0: Good morning. Good morning. Oh, y'all, y'all are definitely a lively crew. Uh, the early service was still a little sleepy, so we just sang a song that said, "They will know we are Christians by our love," and it's a really special song because it talks about how other people will know that we love God based on the way that we treat other people. Now, do any of you have a best friend? So what are some of the things you do because you care so much for that best friend? Like, what are some of the things that you do special for them? Yes. Give them a hug. Okay, that's a good one. Yes. And give them a hug and play, with them. play with them, okay. Yes. Get them a birthday present. Stand up for them. That is excellent, yes. Hold, oh, hold hands, okay. What else, yes, Renny? Help them when they need help. And and when they have a, a Have an owie. Already. Okay, so you give your friend a Band-Aid if they need it. That's important. I'll, I hope you're listening out there on what it means to be a friend, you know. Put band-aids in your purses. Okay, Uh, let me take one more. What would you do for your best friend? Okay, help, help them feel better about themselves. These are excellent. Okay, so those are all the things that we would do for the people that we care about. And God says that he wants us to love other people. Actually, he doesn't want us to just love our best friends or our friends or our families. He wants us to love everyone. So your challenge for this week, and really for the rest of your life, is to figure out what does that look like? How do you love and care for people uh, who may be your friends, who may not be your friends? How do you love and show respect and honor and care for everyone um, as a way to show honor and love to God? All right, we're going to go ahead and go into prayer time because we got to keep moving. Okay. Let's pray together. Can you do praying eyes and praying hands? Yeah. Okay. All right, repeat after me. Dear God, thank you for our friends. Thank you for our family. Thank you for your love. Help us to love others, no matter who they are. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Please join me in the prayer for... For illumination let us pray god of all creation send your holy spirit among us this day that the seed of your word might take root in our hearts and bear the fruits of peace love and justice for all amen so there's been a change in the scripture reading this morning from what is printed in the bulletin uh, it is going to be from john 15 verses 9 to 17. It is entitled, Love Each Other. As the Father loved me, I too have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy will be in you, and your joy will be complete. This is my commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. No one has greater love than to give up one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I don't call you servants any longer because servants don't know what their master is doing. Instead, I call you friends because everything I heard from my father I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I choose you. I chose you and appointed you so that you could go and produce fruit and so that your fruit could last. As a result, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. I give you these commandments so that you can love each other. The word of God for the people of God.
2: So um, we, we called an Audible, um, recognizing that we were starting that third part of the series uh, talking about formed uh, faith-forming relationships formed by friends. But I think you'd agree with me that the current events of the week weighed heavy, and so an Audible was appropriate. Uh, so instead of reading about Nathan and David, uh, we read about Jesus uh, in the Farewell Discourse, Uh, Saying to the disciples, having followed Him for three years, and here kind of uh, on the edge of something completely new, uh, terrifying to the disciples, of course, um, He uses these words um, to love one another, uh, to lay down your life for your friends, and that He no longer calls them servants, some translations say slaves, Um, He doesn't even say, I don't even call you students. But instead, he says, I call you friends. And so go and love and care and bear fruit, fruit that will last. The current events, um, it was a little bit of a hard week. Uh, First in uh, um, Baton Rouge and then in Minnesota and then uh, finally in our own neck of the woods in Dallas. And thinking about all of these issues uh, coming together, um, did a little research and uh, found that there's been a um, hundred uh, black men killed by police officer shootings just since January 1st. And what's shocking is that's not actually a tick up, that's actually on par for previous years. That it's easy for us as we're uh, connected to folk who serve as first responders uh, or for those who serve in, in harm's way in any capacity to think of the stress and pain, to think of the woundedness and victimization. You know, as a pastor, I often get asked the question, what do you do in the face of tragedy? And um, one of my answers is uh, it's twofold. Uh, It's modeled in the Gospels. um, Two women, actually, uh, Martha and Mary. That's what you do in the face of tragedy. Um, Martha, if you remember, was very interested in taking care of all the creature comforts um, if you've driven on 2004 underneath 288, big sign it says donations for flood, that'd be a Martha, right? And that, that's kind of what happens to pastors is uh, church members call up in the middle of tragedy and say, what can we do? Let's take donations. Let's do something. Let's get out there and uh, muck out houses. Let's get out there and make a physical difference. It's a Martha response. It's good. Then there's Mary's response, right? That's the, oh my gosh, the feelings and pain of these people who have been affected by world events. Let's have a support group for those who have been wounded. Let's pray with them. Let's listen to their feelings. Let's make sure they know that they're not alone. It's a Mary kind of a response. Perfectly good perfectly biblical. This is not the quit being a Martha and be a Mary uh, sermon. This is the good in the face of tragedy. Some of us are wired for Martha. Some of us are wired for Mary. And there are people with needs out there in, that, in both those camps. Jesus says, there in the midst of some of the last hours of his life, I no longer call you servants. I call you Friends. Now, I've been doing workshops for clergy for about 10 years now. Um, In fact, um, sadly enough, clergy have to come through my workshops in this annual conference. And I love being out in the connection and visiting with uh, churches, and parishioners say, oh, you taught my pastor. Do you remember my pastor? And I go, oh, my gosh, so many pastors, so many years, right? I mean, those of you who are educators, right, they run up to you in the grocery store. and you go, yes, I remember you. A little white lie is okay until I start computing and figuring out exactly who you are, right? I no longer call you servants, not even just students, right? Because student and friendship in the biblical culture it was completely different, right? We, we could have preached this sermon on Nathan and uh, David, right? Uh, King David has a pajama day when uh, Israel goes off to war, he spots Bathsheba, she seems real sweet. Um, they end up having a soap opera moment um, and bad things happen, right? Nathan shows up and says, you did the wrong thing, tells him a great story uh, if you're familiar with Veggie Tales, it's the one about the ducky, and uh, who would dare steal that ducky? And David listens to the story, gets so angry, and says, "Who is that man? I'm king. I'll punish him." And Nathan says, "It's you." I mean, we all need friends, right? That that friendship in biblical culture was completely different than how we think about friendship in terms of Facebook. Can I get an amen? And so Jesus says you're not slaves you're not students you're friends and as friends come and do the work with me come and bear fruit that will last come and do the ministry of reconciliation that you've watched me do i have to say that i'm um I'm kind of stuck, neither fish nor fowl, in the midst of this kind of great current events uh, debate. I I remember growing up uh, in the woodlands um, where I thought everybody lived in the land of shiny cars. Um, I remember uh, going as a part of a national youth gathering in the United Methodist Church, uh, going to Chicago and meeting with other youth, United Methodist youth from all across the world, um, and we, we did workshops, and we learned about each other because people were from completely different places, and we were meeting in Southside Chicago, um, which is completely different from the Woodlands, um, if you <laughs> Just glad you're with me. Um, <laughs> And I remember one of the sessions, it was about learning about difference. And so we paired up with people who were different from us and sat right next to each other. And the facilitator talked through all the demographics and all the statistics of the differences between our communities and then invited us to close our eyes and reach out and touch the features of the face of the person sitting (laughs) next to us. I, who traveled from Texas, sat next to an African-American teenager my age who was from South Side Chicago. He just took the L over to where we were And that was because he was gonna get reimbursed um, for the travel, he probably could have walked. And I imagined "This, this kid must be so different from me, but with my eyes closed, shockingly enough, we were made by the same creator. His face felt like mine. And together we became friends as we journeyed through the rest of the conference, talking about how different our perspectives were. You see, projection's powerful. Um, we like to think we know somebody based upon a quick cursory look. If they're wearing a uniform, we know all about them. If uh, their ethnicity is a certain, we all know about them. Their skin color, the clothes they wear, whatever it is, we like to make snap judgments about someone when only knowing them for that long. One of my… One of my favorite kind of examples of projection, I was reading through dissertations while I was going through my doctoral program, and I read about one that was so crafty and so smart, it was just annoying. I wish it was mine. This guy had videotaped himself doing a Bible study and then played the videotape for first one Sunday school class, but beforehand he said, this is Je- okay. He couldn't do it himself. How to do this? He mailed it off to Sunday school class and said, "This is a guy who just does Bible studies," and then they evaluated how wonderful it was. And then he sent it off to another Sunday school class at another church, and he says, "This uh, guy who's on the videotape—he's the senior pastor of the largest church in our denomination. Listen to the Bible study, evaluate, it, and tell me how wonderful it is." And then he sends it off to another church, to another Sunday school class, and he says, "This is the bishop of our denomination." listen to the Bible study, evaluate it, and tell me how wonderful it is. Are you surprised that the guy who was just a guy got the lowest writing, uh, rankings and that the bishop got the highest rankings? You see, when told a little bit of information, we like to project a whole lot more onto what happens. And so we assume if he's the bishop, he knows a lot of good stuff and we should be impressed by it. It's kind of like, um, I, I used to occasionally uh, wear a Catholic collar. Does that communicate to y'all? Um, just not all the time and usually not in front of y'all because it would just wig you out. Um. So it's, it's a black shirt with uh, short sleeves and it has a little white plastic collar that slips right in here, right? If you've been to the Catholic Church, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, I had um, interns and uh, learners ask me, why, why would you wear a Catholic collar? Well, actually, the only reason I wear a Catholic collar is that I'm going to a demonstration and I'm concerned that I might get beat up. Because, you know, surely they wouldn't punch a priest, right? <laughs> but one time I wore it to the demonstration and then came in uh, Friday, sat at my desk and did some more work on my sermon. And people came through the the office that morning and you'd have thought they'd seen a ghost with me wearing this collar, right? I mean, there's a a set of projections and expectations and assumptions based upon what we wear, right? Projection's powerful. It's easy for us to project onto police officers certain expectation. It's also easy for us to project onto people who don't have the same skin color as we do or the same zip code uh, or the same bank account expectations about them. For example, in the menagerie of characters that have played out last week, from Baton Rouge to Minnesota to Dallas, did you know that there's one man who lost his adult son at 27 years of age, named for himself uh, in a police-related shooting? You you see, um, David Brown Jr. uh, was 27, suspected to be on drugs, was confronted by somebody in his apartment complex, shot them dead. Police were called. The first responding police officer uh, approached the erratic young man, young black man, and again, he shot that person. David Brown's father had just finished his seventh week as the chief of police of the Dallas Metroplex. You see, it's easy for us to look at the person behind the microphone who's in charge of all of the police and to say he knows nothing about what other people experience. When, when we learn about uh, Chief of Police Brown's story, he probably knows more about that experience than we do all together, having lost his son in a police-related shooting. I want to encourage us as we think about what it means to be Christians, as we think about the fact that Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, but now I call you friends, that what does that mean for us to do? Does it mean for us to Martha it up? Maybe. Does it mean for us to pull in and, and marry and pray? I think it means that we care. You know, there's a piece of passage that talks about extending hospitality to strangers, uh, for you might be entertaining angels unawares. Uh, that that extending a cold cup of water uh, to someone in need is a piece of hospitality that's deep into who we are. Um, You know, if we were uh, talking about Genesis and Abraham, right, you remember that that goofy story of Abraham and Sarah, um, where uh, they're 90 years old, they're living out in the desert, Uh, they're supposed to be um, um, raising a kiddo, but the kiddo hasn't come yet. Um, And so three strangers come, and the Scripture tells us, that those strangers are God and um, the three strangers tell Abraham and Sarah that they're going to have a baby and Sarah laughs now what's interesting for our culture is has anyone ever showed up on your doorstep and said hey feed us give us water because we just happen to be here usually they wouldn't get through the, uh, the subdivisions uh, gate right I mean that's not part of our culture but in a hostile uh, climate such as the biblical desert, you extended hospitality to strangers because you knew at some point you might need that hospitality extended to you. And so a cold cup of water was life, was friendship, and was uh, something that provided for you. So maybe the best response In the midst of all of these assumptions and difficulties, all of these times in which we want to paint people with a broad brush and we want to expect things of people uh, that we don't even expect of ourselves, maybe extending a cold cup of water in Jesus' name, regardless of affiliation, regardless of uniform, regardless of zip code, might be the thing that friends of Jesus do. There's a little girl in Wimberley, Texas yesterday who had this same idea decided she'd set out on her street, a lemonade stand. It was free lemonade, if you were a first responder. And the cherry on top, she'd done her market analysis, was she'd give you a free hug as well. Now, if done right, free lemonade and a hug, it's a great Martha thing, right? To care for the needs of others, but that hug, You got to stay a little bit to get that hug and maybe while you get the hug spend a little time sharing your feelings and as you share your feelings maybe somebody offers to pray for you i wonder if that little girl maybe her name was martha mary and she knew what she was doing friends it's a difficult world a tragic world and sometimes a toxic world but in the midst of a hostile world don't neglect offering cold cups of water to people in need. I mean, Martha Mary was pretty biblical. Yeah, she put ice in it, squeezed lemonade, probably too much sugar, but it's still a cold cup of water to someone in need. Because don't we know, behind our zip code, behind our uniforms, behind whatever we've projected onto ourselves, we are still people in need. People in need of Jesus, people in need of water, and people in need of friendship. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Chapelwood United Methodist Church exists to help ourselves and others take their next step in their faith journey with Christ. And for the moment, I'm gonna have y'all be seated and invite those who are going on the Belize trip to come on up so that we can commission you. We've got a group of youth and adults who are headed to Belize, to Belmapan, uh, to continue building on a high school Um, there's a United Methodist Church that has had a dream of uh, building a a high school for the last decade. Um, They, the church itself is about the size of one of our Sunday school classrooms, and so we're thankful that they have a dream that is bigger than them, and that these folks feel called uh, to go and help. So, I imagine the commissioning's on the screen. All who take upon themselves the name of Christ are called into ministry of love and service by the example of Christ. As these members of our community begin their work among the people of Belize, we pray the blessings of God and this community upon their endeavors. We recognize you as ambassadors of this congregation in ministry with the people of Belize and dedicate you to service in the name of Jesus Christ. Through our prayers, we will be united with you in your work. May God richly bless your labors. Let us affirm our belief in the responsibilities of Christian service. We believe in God, creator of the world, and in Jesus Christ, the redeemer of creation. We believe in the Holy Spirit through whom we acknowledge God's gifts. We commit ourselves to the rights and dignity of all persons and to the improvement of the quality of life. We dedicate ourselves to peace throughout the world and to the rule of justice and law among all nations. We believe in the present and final triumph of God's word in human affairs and gladly accept our commission to manifest the life of the gospel in the world. We are uh, excited and thankful, and pray uh, um, w- uh, blessings and safety and um, beauty uh, on what you're going to do in Belize. Take lots of pictures because um, we want to see them, and um, we're excited for what God's doing through you. I'm gonna call Paul Myler up. Uh, we have one more kind of commissioning gift giving kind of a thing before we uh, sing our closing song. Uh, Paul Myler was our intern for 12 weeks uh, here at Chapelwood. Um, he um, shadowed the pastors and uh, did the work of discernment. Yes, yes, we're going to give you a gift. You may get the gift. He's, he's so well-trained, makes great coffee, just joking. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that was, ta- that was really tacky, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm in trouble. Um, all right, so um, he can choose to open the gift if he wants to, but what I want you to know that the work of discernment is not about turning people into pastors, but rather the work of discernment uh, is to get to a place to where you can um, kind of sense and see and feel what God yearns for your life. And so I think that we accomplished that. Um, and so, um, Paul, if you have any words uh, for them.
3: Yeah, Just thank you very much to the congregation for letting me learn among you. I learned a lot during my internship. I learned that we are very blessed here at Chapelwood with some very hard-working clergy. So many thanks to Peter and to Kate and to LM for letting me tag along. I also learned that I really enjoy seminary, strangely enough. Um, So I'm going to continue on that path. I'm going to go for an MDiv. Um, Now exactly what I do with that degree, Still, we need to figure out a little bit. But I have four years to figure it out, so I think there'll be plenty of time. So once again, just thank you very much. That There's been a lot of gifts that I've been given during this time, the greatest of which is seeing Kate dressed up like a crab. So <laughs> thank, thank you, and God bless.
2: We, um, we, we gave uh, Paul uh, two th- tools that'll be really helpful in ministry. One's a, um, we call it the uh, uh, Collins. It's like an academic uh, Bible. Um, and then also a little, little tiny mini uh, book of worship, um, the pastor's edition. So you can put it in his pocket so he'll be ready to uh, do pastoral things at a moment's notice. And then we also gave him something that's absolutely useless um, in ministry. It's the unofficial uh, handbook for United Methodist pastors. It's a humor book um, that you, you have to have like the right secret uh, handshake to get. Um, because, um, well, yeah. Um, So, thank you, Paul. Uh, It's been a joy um, to have uh, you on staff. We we tried to get him to um, come on staff for longer. We told him we'd double his salary, but apparently zero plus zero is still zero. Um, So... (laughs) If you'll stand um, together, uh, we're gonna close with our closing song. I've got a couple of next steps for you as you're standing. Uh, Be sure to uh, visit the Narthex with the pink wall studs. We're working hard um, to raise $10,000 for the Habitat 100 uh, build. Um, Here's a picture of what our pledge of $10,000 has already done. Um, The foundation for the house uh, essentially costs $10,000. And of course, there's nothing in our hymnal about setting a firm foundation. Uh, So thank you for being a part of that. Um, The second step that you can uh, look forward to is August the 14th. During worship here in the sanctuary, we'll have opportunities for hands-on service for you to care for others. You could say it's kind of a Martha Sunday. And then um, the last next step is really the first next step, which is if you're a guest here today, uh, we hope that you'll let us know that you're here so that we can thank you for joining us uh, in worship. And we hope that you'll come back and join us again soon. Uh, Almighty God, we give thanks that when we were in need, you gave us a cold cup of water in the form of your grace and love. So send us out into a hostile climate to give a cold cup of water, to anyone we come in contact with, so that they might know that we are friends of yours. All this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.